If you're sick of the mainstream sports outlets, well, so was I. So I started my own show. I'm Shane Larson, and this is the Game Time Guru. It's different than other talk shows. I'm providing a panoramic view on sports so you can see them through a different lens. So buckle up and let's go. What's going on, everybody? Thanks so much for tuning in to episode 80 of the show. 8-0, and just in time for the MLB playoffs, I've got a former professional baseball player on the show with me today. Now, he didn't play in the MLB, but he did play overseas for quite some time. And my whole idea behind this was to bring him on to share his experiences and show you that there are opportunities outside of the United States to continue on with your professional career if you truly do love the sport of baseball. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce our guest who happens to be a, a friend of mine that I've known for, I don't know, since I was in fourth grade. His name is Tanner Layton. So Tanner, thank you so much for joining the Game Time Guru podcast today. Hey, thanks for having me. For sure, man. It's my pleasure. And to give you guys an idea of why I know Tanner from forever ago, we used to play Little League football. It's like the the equivalent of Pop Warner here in Idaho. It's called Optimus Football, and Tanner was my quarterback. Do you remember that, Tanner? I do, and I do remember not being able to see over you because you were so much taller than me on the <laughs> line. Okay, let's just be real, though. I, I don't know if you could see over a lot of people back then. You were a little bit shorter back in the day, right? And I was exceptionally tall compared to the rest of our, our guys on our age group. But I do have a story with that. My very first time going out for a pass, we didn't really throw the ball very much so because we had such great running backs back then, and we had a good offensive line. So we didn't really throw the ball much, so defenses didn't prepare for that. I ended up going out for a pass, really simple pass pattern. It was like a three-step cut in for a post and just go towards the middle of the field, and I was wide open. I turned around expecting the ball. I couldn't see Tanner. I couldn't see him because he was too short. He was just smaller than the whole line, so I didn't see him, so I kind of slowed up a little bit. All of a sudden, the ball comes flying over the line, and I couldn't see it until it was too late, and so by that time, I'd already slowed up. So I had to try to catch up to the ball, and it just hit my fingertips and went went out. Like, if I had kept running, I would have had a touchdown. I would have just caught it in stride and kept going, but I slowed down because I couldn't see him. I don't know if you remember that, man, but the, the, I couldn't see you. And that's, like, that's my uh, experience with your height, I guess I should say, back in the day. We prefer vertically challenged now because I'm still not the tallest of guys, but vertically challenged we'll go with. <laughs> I, I like it, man. I, I prefer that as well. I like vertically challenged. That's what we'll say. Now, Tanner, let's get a background about who you are. I know we were talking about our you know, younger days in football, but what sports did you play? Because I know you played football, and obviously we're talking to you today because you played professional baseball, and you got to you know, live out your dream. But let's get your background in sports. Were those your main sports, or what else did you participate in when you were younger? Um, yeah, I actually wrestled as well. So we went – dad always made sure that we were in some kind of a sport, make sure that we stayed busy, stayed out of trouble. And so – Spring, summer would be baseball, then we would go into fall with football, and then in winter, I'd end up wrestling as well. Um, I quit wrestling when I got into high school just with a lot to play three sports, and as we all know, some politics can come in once you get into high school of, oh, hey, you should stop playing this and you should play this. And so because of that, I ended up focusing just on football and baseball, played football through high school, then played baseball as well. And then what I ended up doing was is I signed a scholarship to go play at Skagit Valley Community College, which is in the NWAC, which is a JUCO up in northern west Washington, about 30 minutes from the Canadian border. Absolutely loved it up there. And the thing that's cool about that league is it's a wood bat league. 
So because of it, we got a lot of scouts out to games to have us watch because it's like, all right, we don't have to guess if this guy's going to be able to transfer from a metal bat to a wood bat because he's swinging wood already. So that was really nice. There was quite a, guys, uh, quite a few guys drafted out of that league. Um, I was not. So what I ended up doing was that I went to – I signed with a four-year in Western Oregon. It was in Monmouth. It was called Western Oregon University, but I was only there for a semester. Just didn't really um, see eye to eye on some things. And then my family was also going through some stuff. So I came home for a year. And then I signed with a school down in Southern California called the Masters University. And that is where I finished up my two years. I was able to graduate from there with a business degree. And then I started playing professionally kind of all over the place. That's pretty freaking sweet, dude. That's a cool story because you had a pretty unique journey to get where you're at now. It wasn't just a, hey, get drafted right out of high school to the MLB or whatever it is. You know what I mean? You, you kind of went and took your time, went to a community college, and uh, you kind of went at a different pace. And I think it still worked out for you. Now let's talk about your professional career, Tanner. Uh, where did you start your professional career? And ha- let's talk about like the beginning journeys and how you ended up playing overseas for so long so i ended up first playing professionally here in america i signed with a team uh washington wild things in the frontier league so ended up playing there we played in the ohio river valley and i started talking to a bunch of guys while i was just playing and like oh what do you guys do in the off season because in the off season you don't get paid so you don't get a paycheck but you still got to hone your craft and work on your sport to make sure that you move up and that's where i found out about australia and guys are like oh well i go down to the summer southern hemisphere to play a lot of guys go i got a couple of buddies that go they play in colombia some play in venezuela they play just jump down to the southern hemisphere when it's winter so that they can play ball year-round instead of having to get a job. So that's how that started. So I was playing there. I played a full year there, and then I met a guy that he played in Australia, and he was like, hey, I'm not going to go back, but I'll put you in contact with the coach down there. And so I ended up just straight up emailing the coach and saying, hey, I want to come play for you guys down there. And he kind of asked what my resume was and, Fortunate enough, I was playing professionally here in America, and also um, I was the number four ranked prospect in the country for all of NAIA, and so because of that, it put a little weight towards my name, and so it makes it easier to for someone, essentially they're taking a chance on you, of uh, coming down, they've never seen you play, so it's all... They do their research, word of mouth type things. And so that's how I ended up down in Australia. Flew down there, had no idea who was picking me up from the airport, didn't know a single person, knew I was getting put up in a host family, and going to go play some baseball was all I knew flying down there. Man, okay, so you kind of packed your bags and you kind of just let faith take you there. I mean, you essentially kind of had an idea of what was going to happen, but not like a full understanding. That's kind of cool, man, because – not a lot of people would do that, uh, but you had a dream, you had a passion, you were going down to play some ball and have some fun with it. So now you're heading down to Australia and you're getting ready to play. Is this considered a professional baseball league in Australia? 
Correct. So they actually have something called the ABL, which is the Australian Baseball League, which they also have State League as well, which is a bunch of the local guys that play and also a lot of the pro guys. So the baseball down in Australia is really good because of all the Aussies that come and play minor league and professionally here. Then they want to go home over the winter break. So then you ended up, gosh, I think the team I played for, we had a guy that was triple-A with the Phillies at the time. We had a double-A guy with the Braves. We had a long-A guy with the Pirates. Like, a lot of really good ball players that were down there playing, and they actually just, I saw, of course, I still follow them, they just opened up a league in Auckland, New Zealand, that will also play in that same league as well. So they opened up a team there that will play in that same Australian baseball league. Okay, so it sounds like the quality of baseball was pretty high over there. It's a professional league. You're going over there to play. It's not like it's not like you're just going over there to play a bunch of nobodies. So that's pretty sweet. And a question that a lot of my listeners want to hear is the pay structure and how it works. Now, you don't have to give me specifics, but I want to give you an example. When I talk to a few people that have played professionally overseas, they talk about the pay structure, right? And how most of the time, like in Europe, if they're playing a you know, $75,000 contract in Europe, is literally $75,000 in your pocket because they pay for, usually the club or the organization will pay for your transportation and your housing while you're there. And then the, the money's tax-free. So you take home $75,000. So it's, you know, considering, you know, what you could be doing back home, just working nine to five, they're still playing sports and getting paid decent because it's all in their pocket. I'm just curious, and I'm inquiring about this because a lot of the listeners love hearing about the contract situations. How was the pay structure when you played professionally in Australia? So in Australia, actually, I came in on something that was called, my first time was called a working holiday visa, just a visa that I could work and also be there to play. So I was ending up, I ended up getting a job too, just to be able to work and make more money because Australia is pretty expensive. Um, in Germany, I was taxed, uh, so I was ending up doing that. But what ended up happening was in Australia, I got a host family. They gave me a car, so I got my own car. Um, I would get paid for coaching and for playing as well because I would coach kids also. There would be – that was part of the process is – and I really respect it and love it is the way that they would invest in their kids is they would bring – over Americans that would have to coach a kid's team as well just to help out, and that helps them become better baseball players as well. Yeah, I did that in Australia and in Germany, so really, really enjoyed that, and I think that's super cool. And I also did that in South Africa as well. So it was a little bit different for me because of I was doing that, and that was the way that – so when I went from Australia to Germany – Germany, I was actually a employee of the city because I played for a team called the Zollingen Alligators. And I actually, since it was the city's team, just like how we here have the Boise Hawks, it was, I was getting paid through that type of a structure. I had like an ID card, everything like that, stating my residency in the town of Zollingen, Germany. Okay, so it seems like it's just a different setup everywhere you go. So, yeah, I mean, that's it's exactly what it was. It's different everywhere you go. To, to like, mention with the pay scale, of with the exchange rate, so when I originally went down my first year to Australia, 
the Australian dollar was worth more than the U.S. dollar. So I loved that exchange rate. And then we know that the euro is worth more than the dollar. So when I was over in Germany, my first year, I didn't make that much money because I was same as what we said before. I hadn't really like proven myself or anything like that. And so then my second year, I got a very nice pay pay increase, we'll say, uh, because I ended up playing really well and they wanted to bring me back. And because of that, I ended up making more money over there than I would have made playing minor league baseball here in the States. So, of course, the boys, once they make it up onto the 40-man and the guys that we all watch on TV, those guys are making very good money. But the minor leaguers, they don't make as much. And I ended up making more over there with the exchange rate and everything when it was all said and done compared to when I was playing here. For sure. And it kind of proves that you can actually – you have these opportunities outside of the United States to go and live out your dream. And for you, you got to visit quite a few countries. Can you name off every single country, I mean, including the ones that you just mentioned there that you played in? Uh, played in the Netherlands, played in France, played in the Czech Republic. Uh, when I was playing over here, I was able to play in Canada. Um, shoot. Uh, in Spain. There it is. So I was able to play in those countries, uh, but for the most part, my three that I still consider home and call home and have really good ties to would be Australia, South Africa, and Germany. Super dope, man. And in regards to all those countries, did you, you know, you had to deal with a lot of different cultures. And from someone like myself who's lived in a different country, uh, it that's can be a shock sometimes. Did you have a hard time with the, the culture changes, or did you truly just take it and embrace it when you were there? I was super open-minded, and I wanted to make sure and embrace and just dive headfirst into every single culture that I was living in. So because of it, I ended up, um, of course, Ozzy's speak English, and I wouldn't try to emulate (laughs) Ozzy accent because I'm sure that it will not do it justice. But I ended up learning uh, German, so I can speak German now was able to pick that up. And then South Africa, uh, they speak English down there, but they actually have 27, I do believe, uh, languages, all the way from Koza to Afrikaans to English. There's just a vast majority down there. So with that, I learned a few words of Afrikaans, but otherwise I could get by with English. Germany, all my teammates spoke English, so that was fine. Everybody speaks English over there, but I just really wanted to embrace it, and I was tired of sitting at a dinner table, just quiet, not knowing what everybody was saying. So That's funny, dude, and, and it's awesome to hear from someone like yourself who truly just embraced the culture. Not everybody does that, and from someone like myself, like I said, I lived in Brazil for two years, and there are a lot of people that when they go to a foreign country, they'll kind of put themselves in a box and they, they don't want to embrace the culture. But when you embrace the culture, you learn so much. And it's hard for people who've never left the country to fully understand this. It really is because they just don't realize that there's so much more out there. But good on you, man, like for 
seriously just embracing it and learning everywhere you went because baseball took you to some amazing places across the, in the entire world across the globe and you took that as an opportunity to learn from it and, and meet new people and, and learn new cultures that's so so awesome in regards to the actual play now we're going to get back to the baseball talk um one thing is is when i've spoken to basketball players and hockey players and and such that have played overseas and played in different countries sometimes the dimensions of the field or the court are different right the rules of basketball for fiba are different than the nba and the rules for for hockey a little bit different in denmark than they are for the nhl the dimensions of the the ice are a little bit different obviously canada football fields a little bit different are there any changes like that like any anything you had to adjust to in regards to the rules of baseball or anything like that when you were playing overseas in different countries yeah it's all the same so what ended up happening of course we know baseball is america's game america's pastime so with how it spread was all through just americans going over and teaching the game that's how aussies i mean cricket is still massive in Australia and go to the WACA, as they call it, which is like the stadium. And so you still have cricket, which is more popular than baseball. But baseball is going to be getting more popular again because of it being in the Olympics now again. As we know, like the Asian countries and the Latin countries, it's big over there. But everything is still the same. We, I mean, we teach it to them. So because of that, we keep it all the same. As far as dimensions, we know, like, all stadiums can have crazy different kind of dimensions. Like, look at Wrigley with the Ivy out in the outfield, you know. There's all kinds of different dimensions as it comes to the stadium, but as far as rules, the same. Okay, right on, right on. And, Tanner, you you had a couple of great years playing, you know, professional baseball. You had a really good run at it, and I'm curious for someone like yourself, when did you know it was time to, you know, call it good and, and come back home? So I always told myself, um, when I'm not excited to go to the field is when I know I'll be done. And I think a lot of guys that I've spoken to that they played professionally as well, they've done that, they kind of get a bitter taste in their mouth towards the game when they are told they can't play anymore. So you get released, you get cut, something like that. Uh, you pretty much get told you're not good enough anymore. And I didn't want that. Baseball gave me so much. It allowed so much. Baseball paid for my education. It allowed for me to travel the world. Baseball, the game, gave me a lot. And so I didn't want to ever be bitter towards the game. And so what I told myself is when I no longer love to go to the field, that's when I need to be done. And that happened at about 26, 27 years old. Uh, I was ready to, I'd been away from my family then for five years. And so I was ready to kind of come home and tackle something different because I also knew I wasn't going to be one of those guys that you see on TV that gets those big contracts. So I knew that I was done um, when I didn't want to go to the field anymore. Gotcha, man. And that's cool. It's cool that you kind of made that decision you know, yourself rather than making, you know, allowing someone else to make that decision for you, kind of like you alluded to earlier. So awesome, man. Good for you. Tanner, I know you have some funny stories. I've heard them before, but I'd like you to share 
some of your your experiences. It, one in particular, I do remember you, you know, discussing an experience with the whole like passport in Australia. So if you wouldn't mind, you know, sharing that with us, that would be awesome because I think it's an interesting and important story for our listeners to hear. Yeah, for sure. I'll actually do it as a waiver for people that are listening that want to travel to Australia is that my disclaimer would be make sure that you have the correct visa. So because of that, I went out there my first time and absolutely loved it. And I was going back for a second season and I never handled any of my visa stuff which looking back on it, I probably should have, but I just trusted that, oh, the club and the Australian people, they're going to know their visa and immigration laws better than an American would. And so because of that, I flew 24 hours down to Perth, Australia, Perth, Western Australia. And when I landed there, um, you have to, of course, like claim what you have through customs like you fill out that little sheet just like we do and I didn't have anything and it was really weird the guy like marked on my piece of paper like three big letters and I've traveled a lot and I never saw that before I was like hmm that's kind of interesting and then when you go to get your bag searched or you just get to enter the country I uh, got sent to a separate little sector and was searched there for three hours. They took all of my electronics and went through my bag. I didn't have anything, wasn't hiding anything, but they were going through my electronics to see if I was there for a different reason than what my visa stated. And my visa at the time was a visitor's visa, which you cannot get paid to play a sport on a visitor's visa. So because of that, I had the wrong visa. I was supposed to get a sport visa, which was more money than it was to get a visitor's visa. So the club thought that they were saving money by getting me this other visa, when in turn, it made me spend three days in a detention center. Then I was deported back to my country of America. And... Put it this way, I've never had so many dirty looks in my life as to when I had an officer in front of me and an officer behind me, and when you're waiting to board your flight, you're waiting in line, and you're not allowed on the plane because you see this individual getting escorted onto the plane by two officers. So you can only imagine how uh, many great looks I got on that. And so then I landed in uh, Dubai. I think, okay, Dubai is beautiful, by the way. I love Dubai. And so I think, all right, awesome. I'm going to be able to just hang out in Dubai, forget this whole thing. And that was definitely not the case. Instead, I got escorted off the plane by Dubai officers. And I had to spend my eight-hour layover in the Dubai detention center. And But luckily, at that point in time, I was able to talk to my parents. I hadn't informed my parents that I was not allowed in the country of Australia because I wasn't allowed to call them. But luckily, as I said before, I had a host family that they informed my parents, and they knew everything that was kind of taking place. 
So then I ended up getting on the next flight, which was 14 hours, and I hadn't slept much, to say the least, in the last five days. And uh, met this very nice uh, flight attendant that she goes, hey, what's your deal, man? You don't look like a criminal. And we all got briefed before you got on the plane that there was going to be a criminal flying on our aircraft. And I told her everything that happened. She's like, wow, I am so sorry. And so she's like, you can go to the back of the plane. There's a bunch of empty rows back there and you can sleep. And on that 12-hour flight, eight hours of it, I just knocked out, man. I was done. Oh, I'm sure. And during those eight hours that I was asleep, she walked around and told everyone my story. And so because of it, when I woke up, I got like the first class meal. I got treated like royalty. It was awesome. And then I landed in America and they still had my passport. And I told the guy, I said, listen, I spent a day flying to Australia. I've spent three days in the detention center and I've spent a day flying back. I just want my passport and I want to go home. And he's like, I'm so sorry. Here you go, man. So that happened to me. But the crazy thing is, is I know four other guys that were playing internationally that something kind of similar happened to them that they are also not allowed in the country. And then I was banished for three years because of it. I wasn't allowed back in the country of Australia for three years. And my brother, he calls me and he goes, you know, it's one thing to not be allowed in a country, but you're not allowed in a continent. That's that's my story there. But, well, uh, my mother always had a popular saying, they turn the butt around. So, like, yeah, it was fun, but... You know, you're going to always go negative. So turn that around. And because of me not being able to get back and play in Australia, it allowed for the opportunity for me to go play in Cape Town, South Africa, which I absolutely loved. Man, that's good that you can keep that mindset and that that positivity because not many people that went through that whole entire experience would be able to say that same thing. So good job. Um, that's that's an awesome story. And Tanner, once again, I want to say thank you for joining us and sharing your experience with us. And what a cool opportunity you had to play professional baseball. And, you know, it, it gave you so many opportunities. But I want you to take this time to kind of tell us where you're at now and tell us what's going on with your company. Awesome. So moved back to Idaho, born and raised here, and now selling real estate for the Mike Brown Group. And we're the number one group in the state of Idaho. So if you guys want to come meet some friendly folks like Shane and myself, uh, I'm your guy. Heck yeah, man. And it's awesome, Tanner, to see that you have, you know, your baseball career is behind you, but you didn't let that stop you. You kept the momentum rolling. Now you have another career path and you're still going strong at it. Good on you, man. Is there anything else you want to say before we sign off? Uh, Make sure to go out and travel. It was awesome. I loved it. Wouldn't trade it for anything. You got your whole life to work. So if there's any kids out there, play for as long as you can or as long as you want to, and then go get, as I would say, a big kid job. Awesome. Thanks, Tanner. And for everybody out there, I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. If you, you want to share it with your friends and family, please do so, especially those who are baseball fans and, and those that are interested in you know sports outside of the United States. Um, it, it gave Tanner an opportunity. Maybe it can give somebody that you know an opportunity to continue playing professionally uh, for that sport that they love. So check it out. And uh, I appreciate you tuning in and showing your support always. I'll continue to bring out new content each week. So without further ado, 
You know the drill. We'll talk to you next week. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.